0: You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Mader, giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. On the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Welcome back to the show, MD Nation. You are listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN, also presented to you by Belly Up Sports. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mader. We're back again today, like we always are every Tuesday, with the primetime recaps of the Sunday night and the Monday night games, along with the waiver wire report. We had some interesting things come out, though, before we get into the recaps of these shows. And it's really going to affect some championship teams. Really going to affect some championship teams. We had a lot of key injuries this past week that kind of came out after the fact as far as the seriousness of them. Cam Akers being one of those guys. I mean, just before I hopped on the show here, Cam Akers came out and they have he has a high ankle sprain. And we saw him get banged up during the game, but he got taped up. He came back in. He finished the game. They pretty much all but officially ruled him out for Week 16. So suddenly, Daryl Henderson, who's going to be available on some waiver wires out there, he is now going to be the guy for the Rams this week against the Seattle Seahawks. James Robinson looks like he's going to be out, probably done for the rest of the year. Now, for your purposes, they're not playing this week. They're essentially done for the rest of the year. Don't worry, Amateur Hour Leagues. We'll get to you guys next week in the second week of your championships because you play in Week 17 for some reason. I know I like to make poking a lot of fun of you guys, but if you do play in a Week 17 championship and you're listening to this show, I do appreciate it. It's all in good fun. However, it's still really weird for fantasy football to be playing in the last week of the season, but we still do our shows for you nonetheless. With a little DFS twist thrown in there for most of the other population. Now look, we have more injury news than that. I mean, it was James Robinson. It was Cam Akers. Michael Gallup sounds like he's not going to miss it, or it's not going to be definite that he misses this week. Which, that's one to watch. Because with Darius Slay being banged up, the Eagles secondary, after the showing they just put up against the Arizona Cardinals, that's going to be something to take a look at. And if Michael Gallup's not around, then... All of a sudden, there might be some extra targets there for an Amari Cooper. Some extra targets there for a C.D. Lamb. In a game script in which there could be a lot of pass attempts. Because it's not easy to run the ball in the Eagles. And then, speaking to that, Ezekiel Elliott's going to be very questionable. We're going to see if he does anything in practice this week. Tony Pollard, if you didn't pick him up before the Sunday you know afternoon started. He wasn't on the waiver wire report because he is more than 50% owned on average. Most people did pick him up before those Sunday games even started since we got the news pretty early on in the morning. We, had a, we just had a slew of injuries. Then we had Christian McCaffrey. The door on Christian McCaffrey got opened. And I'm going to tell you this right now. If Christian McCaffrey comes back in Week 16 in a situation that matters not at all for the Carolina Panthers or Christian McCaffrey himself, a move that makes absolutely no sense at this point to bring him back at all. If they actually bring him back for this game every single fantasy owner who has Christian McCaffrey needs to send Matt Ro a fruit basket every single one if you get the RB1 was the consensus Rb1 of everyone's drafts coming into the year back for week 16 in a game that matters not for the team at all everyone needs to send Matt roll a fruit basket. Absolutely everybody. It would be absolutely insane. So there's a lot of things that you should be following us at BellyUpMDFF Show on social media for, especially on Twitter, for those player news notifications throughout this week, because we'll keep you up to date on all this. And there's a lot of things up in the air that can really swing these championship rosters that are po- that we're possibly going to have these championship lineups heading into this week. So, some real exciting stuff. So, just I wanted to go over that with you guys to kind of look over, you know, when you're going in your waiver wire report, keep these things in mind because there was a lot of injury update. We're getting more injury updated news on a Monday because we have three games on Saturday. We have a game on Friday. So, we're going to get news earlier this week or Tuesday throughout the day is going to be a big news day. More so than it normally would be. So, those are all things, you know, taking consideration. Now, let's talk about. The actual game from last night first. Talk about the Sunday night game. And recap that the Cleveland Browns and New York Giants, Baker Mayfield continues to play really well. Now, part of it is that the Browns are starting to, you know, they, not starting to, but they have the reputation that they're a good running team, and they well deservedly so. And teams are keying in on the fact that they know that the Browns coming out of the gate, they want to run the football. They want to use Dick Chubb, they want to use Kareem Hunt, and they want to build the offensive flow off of that. We saw what the Giants did, and we're going to talk about the Giants even in a second, because they were very impressive, and they deserve a lot of credit. But the Giants were pretty much keying in, especially on first down and second down, on them running the ball. And we're keying in on where it was they were going to run. And the Browns just countered with it very simply with good play-action passing. They didn't even have to get the running game going in this game for the play-action pass to be as effective as it was. Because now you just have the reputation going into the game. And because Baker Mayfield is playing on fire at the moment, playing very comfortably within this offense, looking good out there, playing to his skill sets, all of a sudden the passing attack is opening up everything else. It's becoming very simple for him. Because you have this rushing attack... A very simple bootleg play action passing attack makes it very easy for Baker Mayfield. He doesn't have to sit there and read the defenses. It's a one read situation. He can get the roll out, he gets to use his mobility. He doesn't have to sit in the pocket where his six foot flat nothing self has a hard time seeing over the offensive lineman. It plays to his skill set. And now all of a sudden, they have figured this out with Nick Chubb back. Baker Mayfield's been on fire. Baker Mayfield will probably be somebody who's in the streaming territory when we go talk about the rankings next week because they're playing against the New York Jets. Now, as far as guys you were really counting on in this game, Nick Chubb, I mean, he came through for you, ultimately speaking, because he had 50 yards on the ground and a touchdown. Tacked on 16 yards through the air. Wasn't a big game, but that's where I go back to the Giants' defense and them getting a lot of credit. Because with Lawrence... And Leonard Williams and Blake Martinez, the core, the middle of that defense is legit. You cannot run at them up the middle. Now, Cleveland's supposed to be an outside zone, edge-running team. They didn't really do that too much in this game, especially not in the first half. The first half, a lot of it was running it up the middle in the A and B gaps, and their offensive line was getting a little bit banged up throughout this game, too which is not something they're usually known for, and that is the strength of the Giants. You can't run up the middle against these guys. Not with Williams, not with Dexter Lawrence, not with Blake Martinez. You can't do it. And because they have to speed the linebacker position, they can get from sideline to sideline pretty effectively. This is a legitimate run defense of the Giants. Now, their secondary needs some work. They're not going to do anything to take away the pass yet, but running the football in the Giants is very difficult to do. And it's going to be interesting to watch next week when they play the Baltimore Ravens. Something we'll talk about more on Christmas Eve, on Thursday. We will have a show. We're going to have a two-hour special show. We got the confirmation on that. It will be two hours long. We're going to completely preview all of Week 16. Completely preview your entire championship week on Christmas Eve. So, happy holidays. We'll be here with you guys. Just not Christmas Day. Jarvis Landry, seven catches, 61 yards, a touchdown on eight targets. Rashad Higgins continues to be a solid second receiver on this team. Four catches, 76 yards on five targets in this one. Austin Hooper, who was on the streaming area for some people, five catches, 41 yards, he picked up a touchdown on six targets himself. Now, Austin Hooper is still just a, a touchdown or a bust streamer. No, I mean, nothing changes there heading into to next week, even against the Jets. Jarvis Landry will be a must-play wide receiver, two for me. Rashard Higgins is going to be interesting. Rashard Higgins will probably come in as a wide receiver, four. But he's going to come in as a wide receiver, four, who's a boomer bust option. Because he is the guy to get getting the shots down the field. He's playing well. And it should be there against the Jets. I know what we just saw. We already recapped it. We already talked about the Jets and the Rams. That's the last game they're going to win. The Browns are not going to lay an egg the way the Rams did. I can guarantee you that. They're not built that way. They're built much more physically, much more tougher. And that usually leads to not losing in major upsets the way the Rams just did last week. And they should have a similar game set because one thing about the Jets is that they've been decent against running backs, decent against the run, especially on early downs. But again, the play-action passing, what we saw in this game with Cleveland Browns should very much be there against the Jets next week, too. And let's be frank, there should be a little bit more success involved for guys like Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, who we haven't talked about yet because he had just had a terrible game. Honestly, if you stuck with Kareem Hunt after the game he had with Baltimore, one, you can't be blamed for it at all. It looked like he came back to life. He's been in RB2 pretty much this entire season. So you can't be blamed for it, but I would be highly surprised if there's that many teams... That started Kareem Hunt and were able to go on to the championship round. Seven carries, 21 yards, three receptions for seven yards. And I'll tell you this right now. If you did make it, Kareem Hunt will still wind up probably being a low-end RB2, high-end RB3 for me next week. I know he's been, other than that Ravens game, you can make the argument that for the last five weeks now, he's been really cold. And I couldn't argue with you. But ultimately speaking, the Browns normally have... More success, again, again, in the running game. Against tough defenses. It's not like Baltimore is an easy run defense when they had all the success on. So, normally speaking, they'll have more success running the football than they did in this game. Kareem Hunt has been an RB2 for the year. It's going to be hard to bench him because you've probably leaned on him as such. But all things that we'll examine on Thursday on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. We move over to the Giants side of the ball. There's not a lot to go over here. Until Daniel Jones gets his legs back, gets his mobility back, the entire Giants offense has to take a dump. It just does. Cole McCoy, 221 yards. That's it. The Darius Slayton had four catches, 74 yards on nine targets. I mean, the guys that you want to get targets were targeted. Sterling four 4 receptions, 51 yards. Evan Ingram, 4 receptions, 46 yards. The problem here is that no one can really be expected to do anything unless Daniel Jones is active, but also active and having mobility in his legs. He went from starting last week to not being able to play this past week. That's not a sign in the positive direction. Now, part of you can say, "Like, well, they shouldn't have had him out there in the first place. I would agree with you, but that doesn't mean if he plays this week, he'll suddenly be mobile enough to actually make this offense work in any capacity. The only giant that you really want to think about playing, contemplate playing, would be Wayne Gallman, and this game was never really out of hand. Remember, the final score was only 20-6. to the Browns were never really up by more than two scores for the majority of this game. So, it, was, it wasn't it was about comeback mode. But yet, Alfred Morris got seven carries for 39 yards, while Wayne Gallman got nine carries for 29 yards. To this point, Wayne Gallman's been the guy. He's been the featured workback guy. And part of this could have just been because Alfred Morris was finding some success when he was running the football. The other part of it is that the Giants didn't have the ball very much offensively as a whole throughout this game. Wayne Goldman will still probably come in as an RB3 for me because I would expect it to snap back to him getting most of the work, and he has been pretty good with the exception of this game. But it just goes to show you that without having a mobile Daniel Jones, this offense of the Giants is very pedestrian, and the bottom could fall out of you at any given moment. So there might be other options you're looking for to not have to play a Wayne Gallman here. We'll have to see exactly what happens. That does it for the Sunday night game. Now we have to talk about this craziness that was a Monday night football game. This continuation of the incredible upsets of Week 15. We had the Jets over the Rams. And now we had the Cincinnati Bengals over the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ryan Finley only threw the ball 13 times for the Bengals to win this game, 27-17. We'll talk about the Steelers in a second, because there's a lot to talk about there. Not just from your fantasy standpoint, from that team standpoint. A lot of things to kind of unpack as this game really showed why, if you're a Steelers fan, you have to be incredibly concerned, but why also, if you are a Steelers fantasy owner, why you have to be concerned moving into next week as well against the Indianapolis Colts. Like so, we'll talk about the Bengals' side of the ball first. The first thing that stood out to me was that the Bengals did away with the rotation. Remember the first two weeks that Joe Mixon went down, Genevieve Menard took over. Those first two weeks, he was a bell cow. It was him. It was nobody else. He was a three-down, work-down back. Since that time... They had the buy, came out, Samaja Perrine, Travion Williams. And then last week, after Genevieve Bernard fumbled, it was a full-blown three-man committee. Nobody in their right mind was playing Genevieve Bernard coming off a week where it was a three-man committee against the Pittsburgh Steelers, which are clamped down against the run. Nobody in their right mind, unless you were beyond desperate, was playing Genevieve Bernard in their lineups tonight. Nobody. Nobody in their right mind will play and Bernard next week. Even against the Houston Texans, which is a great matchup for running backs. In your championship weeks, you're not playing and Bernard. Talked about this all season long. Do not overreact to one game one way or another. It's your championship week next week. Genevine Bernard is not going to be the name on a long list of names that could help you out at either the RB2 or the flex position. Even if you're looking for somebody. Don't do it to yourself. Don't even bother. Now, that doesn't mean we're not going to give him kudos for this game. He had 25 carries, 83 yards, a touchdown. Only one target, one reception, but 14 yards and a receiving touchdown off of that one reception. This is the difference. The Bengals are not going to be leading any games again this year. That includes Houston. So him get the idea of him getting 25 carries is a farce. But, do the Bengals maybe have a situation on their hands where even if Brandon Allen can come back next week, that Ryan Finley still the starting quarterback? Possibly. And ultimately, I've said this all along, I always thought that Ryan Finley would be beneficial to Genevieve Bernard owners because the check down would be there. More so than it is with Brandon Allen. I'm still not going to play Gene by Bernard in our championship weeks next week. Will he be on the cusp of an RB3 after being the bell cow in this game against Houston? Possibly. But ultimately, you should have better options. As far as receivers go, it was a non-factor. T. Higgins got targeted the most. Six targets, three catches, 31 yards. But Tyler Boyd went down and out with a concussion early on in this in this game. And being that it's a short week... It will be a serious question mark if he's able to go next week. Now, I will say this. If Tyler Boyd cannot go, T. Higgins would be an interesting WR3, wide receiver 3, against Houston because of the added target volume that would be headed his way. Still not looking at A.J. Green or anything like that, but T. Higgins could be interesting if Tyler Boyd is forced to miss because of the volume that I would suspect he would see. But that's the only Cincinnati Bengal that I'm going to contemplate playing next week. But it was a great game for them. Ryan Finley, I was talk about 10, he ran 10 times in this game for 47 yards and a touchdown. When was Ryan Finley ever a dual threat guy? Caught them completely off guard by utilizing Ryan Finley and his legs in this game. This game was insane in so many ways. Not just the game itself, but from a fantasy standpoint, when we look at these numbers... It was just absolutely insane in so many ways. Maybe in some ways even more insane than the Jets-Rams game. Not necessarily the Jets winning, because no one would have expected that against the Rams, who actually needed that ball game. But statistically, I think it might be even stranger. On the Steelers' side of the ball, yeah. It was really funny that earlier today there had been a report coming out about Ben Roethlisberger saying that he wants to play or sources close to Ben Roethlisberger saying he wants to play again next season. He wants to play for one more year. After tonight, are you sure you can finish this year? That's that's going to be my big question about Ben Roethlisberger. After tonight, can you even finish this year? He should have been a streaming viable quarterback against the Cincinnati Bengals tonight. You knew James Conner was a question mark. He's been throwing the ball, you know, 40 times plus a game, he threw the ball 38 times in this one, going up against Cincinnati Bengals, he should have been a viable streaming quarterback, 170 yards and a touchdown and interception, that's it, against the Cincinnati Bengals, this offense is broken, this offense has no idea what it wants to be, has no clue, most importantly, this offensive line is horrible, And because Ben Robsburg gets the ball out of his hands so quickly this season, it's really covered up how bad they are. We know that they're bad in the running game because they haven't had much running room at all. We'll talk about Benny Stell in a minute in this game. But they haven't had much running room at all this entire season. But because Ben's been getting the ball out of his hands so quickly, they haven't given up a lot of sacks. We haven't really seen them have to actually hold up in protection against much pass rushing this season. Even against good teams. Well, tonight... They actually, the Bengals managed to actually force Roethlisberger to have to hold on to the ball that extra half a second more than what he's been doing this year, and we got to see full display how bad that offensive line really is. While he was only sacked one time, he was under duress the entire game, which led to all these turnovers. Now, Benny Snell, if you if you had to pick up Benny Snell at the last second because James Conner was an unexpected inactive following the same suit as everybody else this week, apparently, of being unexpected late inactives. And you were able to put James Conner on your IR spot and pick up a Benny Snell, or whatever the case may be. He at least came through. 18 carries, 84 yards, a touchdown. You can run on the Cincinnati Bengals no matter who you are. But the point has to be this. The Steelers, you have to be able to get back to being able to use play action. Ben Roethlisberger has to be able to line up under center at least half the time. If he can't, this offense will not function at any point this season. And you're going to watch the Steelers go 11-0 and maybe not win a game for the rest of the year. I don't think they beat the Colts next week. Not with the way they're playing. I don't think they suddenly get right there. I mean, this first half, they look completely broken. They were able to spark something in the second half, but still. Ultimately, another game where they haven't even scored 20 points ultimately what it boils down to. Now the one stealer that I feel that I can play is Deontay Johnson. 8 catches, 59 yards, a touchdown, 13 targets in this game. Talked about all season long, if all things are equal, Deontay Johnson's the number one receiver of this team. You saw the corrections that he made, if you actually watched this game, to correct the drops that he's had this season, especially after getting benched for the first half last week. He was getting his hands out in front, better placement. There was an emphasis on his part to make sure he was not going to drop the ball. So as far as being worried about him dropping it or Mike Tomlin having to set another example, I'm not. Deontay Johnson, I will be okay with playing him against the Colts next week. Now on paper, I know it's not a great matchup. But really good route runners can have decent games against the Colts. The secondary is not the end-all, be-all. You can throw the ball on them with certain receivers, especially receivers who run really good routes. The explosive receivers, the guys who lean on their physical gifts, they're not going to do as well against that Colts defense. But guys like Deontay Johnson will get separation. So I'm okay with playing Deontay Johnson, but outside of that, I don't know how you trust to play another Pittsburgh Steeler. It's not going to be a good matchup for for the run, whether James Conner's back or not. After watching this game, you have to question what kind of opportunities this offense is even going to provide the running backs with anyway, because they might not move the ball a lot, especially against the Colts. Juju Smith-Schuster had three catches for 15 yards on six targets. Chase Claypool, 54 yards on three receptions, eight targets in this game. Now, while I expect Schuster's number to look a little bit better against the Colts, what kind of ceiling do you think he really has? He hasn't had much of a one-all season long to begin with. Even in bad matchups. Or good matchups for him. Deontay Johnson, especially with the injuries that Eric Ebron in this game, the back injury that he had that really didn't look good, really looks like he's going to miss next week, it might be the only Pittsburgh Steeler that I'm contemplating in my championship week at all. How do you trust him after a performance like this in the most important game of the year? I don't know. I don't think he can. This was such a strange game. This was a crazy game. And it really followed suit with what was ultimately going to be known as upset crazy week 15. But that wraps it up for the Monday night recap. So now we come to the waiver wire report. And usually I say the all important waiver wire report, but it's not going to be as important in your championship weeks, it's not going to be as crucial. Now, there might be some leagues out there, there might be some teams out there, that because of some of the injuries that happened this past weekend, you might be a little bit more desperate than you normally would be for a championship team heading into this week. And that that wouldn't be a good feeling. We do have a few names for you guys to keep your eyes out on this week that could help you out in certain situations. But there's a number of names like Daryl Henderson, like a Tony Pollard, who are just over that 50% threshold for them to technically make this waiver wire report. But there's still a number of leagues out there that they are available in on average throughout the major platforms. So my thing would be to urge you, while they're not their names are not going to be on our official waiver wire report tonight in tonight's segment, make sure you check your teams, make sure you check your leagues to see if those guys are available first because they would be the top waiver wire priorities in any other week heading into this one. It's a short list. It's the shortest list of the year that we have for you guys. It's literally five names. And that shouldn't come as a surprise because when you're going into your championship week, it's are you picking up somebody who can actually help you this week? It's the only question. It's the only requirement. It's not about the future anymore. Can you, are you picking somebody up who's going to help you this week, yes or no? If they're not going to help you this week, then they serve no purpose. This is the week where handcuffs no longer matter. If you have Alexander Madison, drop them. If you have, you know, if you have any any of the high end handcuffs, you drop them. If there are guys that are healthy, Devontae Booker, assuming Josh Jacobs didn't pick up an extra ankle injury in that last Thursday night game, you drop him. All those guys. If you've been streaming quarterbacks, if the and that one that one can actually be kind of a situational basis. If you've been streaming quarterbacks and you've had and you have multiple quarterbacks on your roster, you already know who you're going to start. Then you can drop the other quarterbacks to make moves to make open-up roster spots for your rosters. But keep in mind, when it comes to that aspect, make sure the guy you're playing against isn't looking to stream a quarterback. You don't want to put good options out there in the waiver wire. And that brings me to my second tidbit when playing the waiver wire this week. So the first thing is going to be, of course, picking up players that will actually help you this week that are available to you. The second part is picking up players... That could be beneficial to your opponent. If they look like they need a flex this week, a wide receiver, a running back, a tight end, a quarterback, whatever the case, whatever the position is, the defense or kicker, and those become very important in your championship weeks too, because every single point matters in your championship weeks. There is nothing, no stern, no no stern, no stone. It's not like I'm having a stroke there. No stone can be left unturned in your championship week. Examine the defenses, examine the kickers, examine your opponent's lineup, what you anticipate it being, what you think they might be looking for, and if you can take options away by putting them on your bench, even if you're not going to play them, do so. That's the other aspect of playing the waiver wire this week, so it's going to be, just, it's going to be about just as much as blocking your opponent as it is getting somebody to help you out. And I'll start with the mediocre names of this five man. The mediocre names of a five man list, but they kick it off talking about Sony Michelle, Savant Abed, Jordan Atkins. We'll say those three are the mediocre names. More, what I mean by that is these are guys that might be able to help you, but not one hundred percent certainty. If Damien Harris is out, Sony Michelle will become an RB three. So, he's a player that whether he helps you or not in your flex position could be somebody you want to just keep away from your opponent from having a viable option to turn to. Now, Ahmed, on the other hand, that's a little bit different. The expectation as of right now, or I shouldn't say the expectation, but the optimism right now is that Miles Gaskin is going to be back this week. That we kind of knew that he was going to miss last week, but week 16 was supposed to be. A viable week for Miles Gaskin to return from the COVID list as long assuming long as things have been going okay, which we don't still have, don't have a lot of information about how he has been feeling since being on the COVID list because remember he did test positive, so he's actually dealing with the illness. so we have to wait and kind of see for Wednesday exactly to find out more information as far as that goes, but the idea is that Gaskin's supposed to have an opportunity to be able to come back and play this week. let's say for a split second he doesn't. Savant Ahmed is somebody who can definitely come in and be a flex play for you guys this week. They're playing the Raiders. So it doesn't get much better than that as far as a matchup goes. We just watched him go for 120 yards and a touchdown against the New England Patriots this past week. And while Devontae Parker might work his way back, maybe Mike Gesicki works his way back, maybe Jakeem Grant works his way back, all three of those guys are still going to be very questionable, meaning they might have to, once again, lean very heavily on the run. Now, if Miles Gaskin returns, we'll talk about this more in the preview show. But I'm probably going to do a complete 180 and avoid the Dolphins' backfield altogether, even in a great matchup, because I think it might turn into a a, a downright committee between those two. So I wouldn't play either one of them. But if Gaskin doesn't come back, Ahmed's going to be a borderline must start for me this week. So that is somebody that, unlike Sonny Michelle, who just could could be an RB three given the situation, Ahmed is somebody that could definitely help you out. Or, might be a guy to go ahead and take away from your opponent being able to add him. He's only 24% owned on average. He's widely available out there. Which makes me a little bit disappointed because that means you guys are not are either not listening to this show, and you should be, or you're just not listening or paying attention to my advice. Because abed has been on my waiver wire report for a few weeks now. Waiting for him to come back, especially with Miles Gaskin being out. But he's only 24% owned on average. Go pick him up regardless. We're not going to find out about Gask until later on in the week. Go pick him up while you have the opportunity to do so. He's either going to be valuable for you by either playing in your lineup or not being available to your opponent because he's in a prime situation. Jordan Atkins, in his case, I know, I know, I know. I'm bringing up his name again as a streaming tight end option. Only 3.5% owned, not widely available out there. Keep in mind... The targets have been there, and the Houston Texans are playing the Cincinnati Bengals next week. It doesn't get better for a tight end as far as a matchup goes this season than the Cincinnati Bengals. And as long as he doesn't drop wide-open touchdowns like he did against Chicago, Jordan Atkins should be able to have a good game because he has been getting targeted. Now, could that game go a number of ways? Yeah. But after that Monday night game, it might give you some hope that it could be more competitive than you originally thought it would. So Jordan Atkins is a viable streaming option depending upon what's available to you at the tight end position. Now the two names that I think will definitely be coming into big time play for you guys this week. First of all, if you've been streaming quarterbacks this season, Baker Mayfield and number one, Jalen Hurts. We'll start with Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is 30, only 33% owned on average. I was shocked. After he ran for 100 yards on the Saints, I thought for sure this guy was going to be over 50% owned. All the leagues I'm in, he's all owned. I go to do the numbers, I go to look around, only 33% owned on average. How's that possible? On a scrambling quarterback. Now, this past week, after what he did against Arizona, I have a hard time believing that his percentage share is going to be that low. It might not go over 50% because the only teams that might be picking players up will be the two teams playing. But if you've been streaming quarterback this year, they're playing Dallas. With his rushing ability, does it get much better than that? You're, you're picking up Jalen Hurts. There's ai am going to tell you this right now. I don't have the rankings done yet. They're usually done Wednesday night, early Thursday morning on bellyupfantasysports.com. I'm going to tell you right now, Jalen Hurts 100% is going to be in my top 12. He's gonna be a QB one for me this week. No question about it. You need to pick him up, especially if you or if your opponent has been streaming quarterback. If you have the upper hand to be able to get a player like a Jalen Hurts, get him. Because he can be a a league winner. He can be a weak winner. And it only takes the one week this week. Don't have that guy, don't have a guy like that sitting on your waiver wire. And then Baker Mayfield would be the other guy. Now, he doesn't quite have the ceiling of a Jalen Hurts, but with the way he's been playing going up against the New York Jets, yeah, 100%, Mayfield's definitely going to be a guy who's going to be hovering around that top 12 area as well. So he's another really good option. So finding quarterbacks like this is a little unnormal when you get to this part of the season. It's not a normal thing. But well, in Jalen Hurts' case, he's available. Don't leave a championship winner out there, whether you need him or not, available to your opponent. Don't do it. And that's it. I mean, those are the five names that were less than 50% owned, on average, throughout the major platforms. Again, CBS, Yahoo, NFL, that's how we always do it. There's other names out there, like I mentioned before, Dale Henderson and, and a couple other guys that might be available in your leagues that are... Are close to the 50% threshold, but we're over it ultimately, missing the waiver wire segment. So just keep in mind what the options are available to you this week. And keep in mind what I said with the strategies. Even if you don't need them, look at your opponent. If they do, make sure it's not available to them. Make sure that option is not available to them if you can at all help it. But that, I mean, that's the last waiver wire segment of, of the year. Well, I guess technically that's not true. We will do a waiver wire segment going into Week 17. And that one that one actually is usually interesting to do, even though it's just going to be for you know the 10% of you leagues out there who actually go into your Week 17 matchups for your championships. That one's a little bit more interesting to do sometimes because you'll have teams where you know certain guys are just not going to play, and you're going to have maybe some no-names out there. I'm like, this guy might be a sleeper. This guy might be interesting depending on what situation you are. So we do have one more waiver wire report. Show for you. We will be back next week with our normal Sunday afternoon recap with our waiver wire report. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to follow a similar schedule to this week, where we're going to have a full two hour special on New Year's Eve, not at the midnight, and God know, but I'll, I'll be hammered out of my mind by then. From 12, to two, from 12 o'clock to 2 o'clock in the afternoon on the Worldwide Sports Radio Network, WWSRN. It'll be the same thing as our Christmas Eve special coming up in a couple of days. We'll be on from 12 to 2, previewing the entirety of the week leading up. So that, that's what you're going to be looking forward to. That's what we have down the pipe. Make sure you're following us at BellyUpMDFFShow on social media. For those player news notifications on Twitter especially. Make sure you're checking out BellyUpFantasySports.com for those rankings that will be up to date, usually either late Wednesday night or early Thursday morning. And make sure you're checking us out on your favorite streaming app, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, iTunes, wherever you like to go. The MD's Fabian Football Show is widely available to you. But most importantly, download the Worldwide Sports Radio Network app on Android or WWSRN on iOS. Because not only you get this show, but you get a lot of other great content out there. And, of course, the DC's DFS Challenge Show, which will be available to you guys on Saturday nights like it always is. Trying to find ways to win you money. So, everybody, take care. Stay safe. We're going to see you on Thursday for a holiday special.